All right, guys, it's showtime. Welcome back. We got another great episode for you guys today. As promised, draft episode one of three with a return guest, good buddy of mine, Brad Eppert. Brad, how you doing, man? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Good. Welcome back. I uh, I loved our last episode together. Uh, it was almost like there was instant chemistry, and uh, I had a lot of positive feedback. I'm happy to have you back on. And uh, how are you feeling about today's episode? I'm feeling good, man. It's exciting to see a lot of these guys coming into the NFL. And, I mean, we got three or four position groups that will be on fantasy teams, so that's always fun to look forward to as well. Yeah, so what we're going to do for you guys is we're going to break down offensive draft prospects. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and five linemen. And uh, we're going to try to give you our insight. We're going to try and give you some background information that maybe you haven't heard yet. And we're not going to do a mock. We're going to save that for week three right before the draft. So hopefully you guys listen to all three parts of this. And uh, we're just going to kick off with quarterbacks. So, Brad, let's, uh, let's start with the, the number one overall prospect, number one probably overall pick. Um, the reigning national champion, Joe Burrow. What do you got? I mean, first of all, in terms of what he did at LSU, I mean, every record pretty much belongs to Joe Burrow. I mean, any passing record you could think of, 60 touchdowns, only six picks last year. I mean, as a total, he had 77 in two years. I mean, he showed good IQ. It didn't matter what team he played last year. He just shredded them, whether they were ranked or unranked, good competition, bad competition. It just seemed like no one could even slow down Joe Burrow. So I don't see how you could argue that he's the number one quarterback coming into this draft. So one thing that's kind of flown under the radar, reason being is because Joe Burrow had such a great 2019. His 2018 was pretty average. What, what do you think about his 2018 compared to his 2019? Um, <clears throat> Honestly, the way I kind of look at it, is uh, he was a backup for Ohio State, didn't really get much playing time here or there. And, I mean, it's kind of like not doing something for a while. It takes you a minute to get back into the rhythm. He transfers schools for the first time. I mean, growing up in Athens and playing at Ohio State, he moves across the country to go play at LSU. Whole new system, environment, kind of everything about it. And, I mean, after a full year of having the same coaching staff, knowing you're the guy, no real pressure coming up the roster behind you, I mean, he just balled out. No one could stop him. Yeah, it almost it almost seemed unfair. And the one thing that I'll say about 2019 <clears throat> is no, there was no stage too big. There was no, there was no opponent too tough. There was no road atmosphere that was too hard on. On the biggest stages – it just honestly an incredible 2019. We we really can't talk about 2019 enough. But I do. I want to backpedal to 2018 and just let people know that Joe Burrow really did have such a climb. He I want. I don't want to just downplay it, but so Jared Stidham played in 2018. Okay? Yeah. Jared Stidham's stats were actually better than Joe Burrow's in 2018 in the SEC. Jared Stidham playing for Auburn. Burrow playing for LSU. Now. Burrow and LSU, they they grab Joe Joe Brady or whatever, and the rest is history. Right. Okay. Obviously, we 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 know what we're getting for Joe Burrow. 
Let's talk about some other quarterbacks. Okay. And uh, I want to go to – I'm going to hold off on Tua for a minute. Sure. Let's talk about Herbert. I like Herbert. Uh, so, Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon, 6'6", senior. <clears throat> he was a four-year starter. What do you got on Justin Herbert? Um, Justin Herbert, I mean, there's not too many guys in the NFL right now from the offensive side that you could name from Oregon. So it makes me think that he played and had to carry a lot of non-NFL talent. And Oregon's been pretty highly ranked every year that he's been there. Um, you look at Herbert in some of the big spots when he plays against like the AP top 25. And over his four years, he's got 24 total touchdowns to only five interceptions against ranked competition. So, I mean, Herbert seems to be a guy – Four-year all-academic at Oregon. He's got the smarts. He can read defenses. He plays well with a 6'6 frame. He's an absolute monster. And he can run, too, with that uh, 4'6 speed. So, I mean, Justin Herbert, I just can't say enough good things about him. I mean, I know two and Burrow ranked ahead of him, but I don't think any team would complain if they had to settle for Herbert. I think they would be excited. Yeah, so – I'm a big Colin Cowherd guy. I know you are as well. After the 2018 season, there were talks that Herbert could go to the draft, and he was actually picked to be the number one pick. And turns out he, he returned. I know Colin was huge on Herbert. Uh, I, I was kind of excited for him. One of the criticisms for him this year were his last three games. So through his first 11, he averaged 270 passing yards. Through his final three, he lost 100 yards per game, so he was, he was at 170. But in those three games, he went 3-0. and He won the Pac-12 title and the Rose Bowl. I mean, what more could you ask of your quarterback? He never. He only had 1,000-yard receiver in four years. Justin Herbert really is the total package, and like you were saying earlier, doesn't really have a whole lot of talent around him and really balled out. Right. I mean – I guess when you look at his last three games, there's no real answer for why he did so much, like, his statistics drop so far. I mean, all three games, he played well, but like you said, it was much different than what we're accustomed to with him. And, I mean, you hear all the time, oh, I want a winner at quarterback, someone who just wins games. And even when he's in a slump in a three-game stretch, he finds ways to use his legs to get touchdowns or – in those games, all of his completion percentages were pretty high. I mean, you think of what it takes to be as a leader when you're not playing well to still go out there and lead your team, give them the confidence to win. And in their last two games, they beat number five and number eight in the country. I mean, I don't think that's easy to do, and I don't think just anybody could do that. Yeah, it's definitely no slouch. Definitely no slouch. I'm excited for Herbert. I do think there's a there's a good chance that he is the second quarterback off the board. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, re- really a mature player. He played four years at Oregon. There's a lot to look forward to. His stats definitely grew every year he was there. And uh, that's all you can ask, right? Yeah, I mean, people can say he should have went in 2018, but when he came back for that last year, his touchdowns went up and his interceptions went down. So, I mean. His completion percentage went through the roof, too. Yeah. Up like eight. So, yeah, let's uh, let's – Keep going. Um, again, we're gonna we're gonna stay off Tua for a second. I want to talk about probably the the wild card of quarterbacks. 
Uh, we were kind of texting about this earlier. Jordan Love. So there's one thing I do want to point out on Jordan Love before I get you going. Not sure if you picked up on this, but so back in 2017, he was cited for marijuana possession in Dece- December. It ended up being uh, dropped in January, so the following month. So he does have a little bit of a run with the law. Not that I want to make marijuana a huge issue, but it is it does show some immaturities there. Outside of that, he had his best season in 2018. And that's where I think a lot of the draft stock really started to rise. And we're both in agreement that 2019 was bad. Go ahead and start uh, – go ahead and give me what you got on Jordan Love. I mean – I guess for starters, starting off with Jordan Love, six six four two twenty five. I don't know, like that's pretty prototype size for a quarterback. He can move pretty well with his four seven at, at the combine. Um, he's got really nice. I was watching a lot of videos on him because, like you said, he's pretty perplexing with his stat line. Um, he's got a beautiful deep ball. He can really throw the ball over the top, but it seems like. He struggles reading defenses, and oftentimes it seems like he just stares down a target like he knows where he's going to go before the play. But it's not always the right decision, and I think that's what's kind of scary is 17 interceptions in his last year. You kind of want to forget about that, but not only was it 17, it wasn't a few bad games. There's only four games where he didn't have an interception last year, so that's kind of tough, but to end it all out in his bowl game, he did uh, throw for three touchdowns, uh, 30 for 39. So, I mean, it was a loss, but at least he ended with a pretty good bang. Yeah. I just, again, the hype train started in 18. They weren't 11 and two. He played for Utah state. There's whole, not a whole lot of talent there. So going, going back to staring down a receiver, if you only got one receiver, you're probably going to stare him down, you know? So, in 2018, they really only played two tough games. They lost both. They lost Michigan State and they lost to Boise State. Mm-hmm. Utah State doesn't play a whole lot of really good teams. So, again, you expect them to lose those games. But it almost it makes me wonder, does his talent transfer to the NFL? If you actually put talent around him, what can you get? I, I don't want to compare him to Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. But Pat Mahomes didn't have a whole lot of talent in Texas Tech. His talents were not showcased. And then you put him in the NFL with talent, and, and he blows up. Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, Jordan Love could be on people's radar simply for the fact that he played for a small school and he has a lot of talent? Yeah, I think um, – I think – a team that would be good for him is any team that has a coach that, that is quarterback first, like um, John Gruden, um, Sean Payton, uh, Sean McVay, coaches like that who are really, uh, really help a quarterback. Because when, like you said, when you look at 2018 to 2019, you see his ceiling and you see his floor. I mean, he can really be dominant. He can really sling the ball. He can make every throw. He's got the body, but if he doesn't have the right system in place, I think it's really going to depend on where he lands. I think four years from now when we're evaluating Jordan Love, we'll say, what if you went to this team? Or we'll be like, it was the perfect fit that he fell in the draft to late first round. Yeah. Yeah, let's keep it moving. I agree, but let's keep it moving. So we're going to move to Tua. And, gosh, how, how do you even start? 
he bursts onto the scene. Now, I say this to non-Alabama fans because as a freshman, he threw for 11 touchdowns and two picks in eight games. Mm-hmm. So he did play behind Jalen Hurts. But he really bursts on the scene, and I say burst in every sense of the word. He comes into the second half of the 2017 national title game, not because of an injury, but because the coach feels that he's the guy. He throws a couple of TD passes and wins the national championship <laughs> game. I, I don't I don't know how else you, you, you chalk up a storybook ending. And how do you follow it up? The only way to follow it up is by returning the next year, throwing for 4,000 yards, 48 touchdowns, running second in the Heisman, and losing in the national championship game. I mean, literally, he's he's been great since he's stepped onto the scene. Yeah. And if you take his stats from 2019 and you throw him up against Joe Burrows, he was on pace to be with Joe Burrow this year. Yeah. He was on pace to match Joe Burrow's stats. He just honestly, incredible talent. He's the best quarterback that Alabama has produced in my lifetime. Yeah, I would say ever. And uh, the stat that, sh- that just is, it sticks out on a chalkboard. It sticks out on a white, anywhere you put it up. His career touchdown to interception ratio eight to one. is a staggering eight to one. Yeah. What What do you think about Tua? What I think about Tua is when you're looking for an NFL quarterback, it was too good to be true that he had to get injured. I mean, there's from the personality, no moment too big, accuracy, mobility, everything about him says perfect. And then you just look at his injuries, and that's really the biggest and only thing that you can really nitpick at Tua. I mean, he did everything right. He, he waited his time. He studied behind Jalen Hurts. He played when he could, and he played well enough when he could that in the halftime of the national championship, when things are going south, Nick Saban throws him to the wolves. Comes back leader of the pack, man. What else can you say? Just – you know, I've heard a lot of comps. We're staying away from comps in this show, but I'm gonna pull this 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 card here. Russell Wilson's got the heart of a champion. Okay, small in stature, a lot of people passed on him. Don't make the same mistake with Tua. If there's a better guy, go ahead and take him, but do not pass on Tua because you think he's too small. Don't pass on Tua because you think he's just going to get injured. This dude's got the heart of a champion. He's the leader of the pack. Just an absolute freak show. And really, in my opinion, the most mentally tough college quarterback that I can remember. So, yeah, he's really that's good. all we got on Tua. We'll keep it moving. Yeah. Let's go with uh, a guy that I think was getting a lot of buzz last year. He ends up returning, and his draft stock's kind of falling. So, Jake Fromm. So, for those of you that don't know, he ends up taking over for Jacob Easton in 2017. Okay? And causes Jacob Easton to transfer. Go ahead and uh, complete the story from there. What do you got on Jake Fromm? Um, really like Jake from, um, I think it's to be noted that 
he's one of the best quarterbacks at taking care of the football. Um, he had a low interception count in 2019 with only five. And he only threw an interception in two games. So he was clean the rest of the season outside of that abomination versus South Carolina. And then, I mean, no one really played great against LSU. And if they did, they got beat for it anyway. So, I mean, Jake Fromm, I think uh, he's, he lacks a little bit on the overall arm strength. His deep ball kind of flutters a little bit. But, I mean, if you want a quarterback who you can plug in a system, is smart enough to understand it, read defenses, understand zones extremely well, and not be afraid to throw the football away, Jake Fromm's your guy. He's just uh, limited mobility. But if you have the offensive line, he's a guy who you can draft. He, you can you can sit him a year or two and then uh, give him a shot late on his rookie contract. But not a, not a year one starter, I don't think. But I don't think – he should get it past the second round. If uh, if he's past the second round, I think teams will be fighting for him. Yeah, I think the one thing that I could tell the <clears throat> listeners here, and if you don't pick up on this, man, I, I Kirby Smart thought Jake Fromm was better than both Jacob Eason and Justin Fields. Hmm. What else do you need to know? I mean, what else do you need to know? You right? got you to trust the guy who's been there, done that. He's got it firsthand right in front of him. And you got all three of those guys who are all highly rated. Justin Fields going to be a top guy coming out next year. And he chose Jake Fromm. I think that speaks volumes. It does. The one thing, if I could pick <clears throat> one thing out of him, and I don't have it written down, but you don't need to. I want to give you his running backs. Oh. <laughs> In 2017, okay? And, again, this isn't me trying to take a shot at him, but it, these are his running backs to work with. Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift. You're going to be all right. <laughs> in his in his, uh, in his rook, their freshman year, did he have Todd Gurley? I don't remember. Was Todd Gurley gone before he got there? I, I, I think Gurley was gone. Yeah, yeah. Gurley yeah. Was. It was 2016. But come on, you take over the starting job and here are your weapons. When when we ask you to throw it, just complete the ball, but we're going to run it a lot. And they did. They ran it a lot. But all the way to the national championship game, they came up short. And go ahead. So we've we've broken down uh, the NFL.com's top five. Give me your sleeper that uh, everybody needs to know about. Well, I don't know if he's too much of a sleeper, but I don't understand why Jalen Hurts is not being talked about over some of these wide receivers. I mean, he's he's got good build, 6'2". I mean, he's built almost like a running back. He's the most true dual threat quarterback coming out of the draft. I mean, the guy's just been insane. He's 38-4, and four, I believe, as a career starter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in his career, he has 123 touchdowns across four years. Um, he's got no significant injuries. And, I mean, everywhere he goes, I mean, aside from the one half that he struggles against Georgia and gets replaced, I mean, this guy just goes out and, and delivers. And he's you speak of the mentality to not just give up and quit after losing your job. You back up Tua for a year. You even get some playing time. I mean – the year he backed up Tua, he still 
threw it 70 times, had eight touchdowns, only two interceptions, 73% completion. And in today's NFL, where everyone's looking for that guy who's mobile, I I just don't understand how, how you could pass on a guy like Jalen Hurts and not talk about him like he's like the seventh best quarterback. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, Jay, you know, Jalen's a good kid, and I'm sure he'll be a good player. I just – you know, he was, he was very good at Alabama. He won a lot of games. That's what we talked about that earlier, about being a winner. And he goes to Oklahoma and absolutely balls out. And I just – I have to – I agree with you. I have to believe that if given the chance and if building the offense around him, Jalen would be good. I, I don't know that he's a 10-year star in the league, but I think that he could create some magic for a few years and – and really give you something to build around. Yeah, something that stuck out to me was after his freshman year, so 2017 through 2019, he never had multiple interceptions in a game. Never, no. He never turned it over. Even really. If he had one, that was it. He never had more than two or more than one interception in any game, sophomore through senior year. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep it moving. Um, my prediction I'm going to give you guys Jacob Eason. I think that if this draft were to have taken place three or four years ago, this might be the number one pick. He's he's huge. He's 6'5". Uh, so 2016, he comes in as a freshman at Georgia. Goes across town or across country. He's nowhere near Georgia. He's from Washington. Throws 16 touchdowns, eight picks. The following year, he, he loses the job to Jake Fromm, which – Again, Jake Fromm, we just discussed, pretty good quarterback. So he transfers and has to sit out of 2018. In 2019, Washington, with Jacob Easton as quarterback, their preseason picked at number 13. But they finished poorly. They finished 8-5, and five, not ranked. He had a, a solid year, nothing crazy, 24 touchdowns, 8 picks, 3,000. But his three best statistical games – his three best, if you're going to pick three games to look at, two of which came against ranked opponents, Oregon and Utah, both of them, the last week of the season, were fighting for a college football playoff spot. He played huge against both of those guys. You know, his only weakness is that he takes a lot of sacks because he can't get rid of the ball and he has no mobility. His career rushing yards, negative 126. He can't move. He's a stick, but he's got a huge arm. He's big. He's what you want as a as a as a pure passer in this league, and can probably win a lot of games. But just know, he ain't gonna move. He ain't gonna move. He's going to be two thousand to two thousand and thirteen Tom Brady. He's gonna stand there. So. That's that's gonna wrap up the the QBs. Let's move into running backs. Uh, number one on the list, I have DeAndre Swift. What do you got on DeAndre? <clears throat> um, DeAndre Swift. Um, I see a lot of big boards have him as number one, which we'll get to him later. But I don't understand how it's not Jonathan Taylor. Um, but DeAndre Swift, a lot of guys have him at one. Um. He's got pretty good uh, carrying. He only fumbles once every 63 carries in his career, which I think is pretty good. Um, if you struggle to run away 
from the defense at the college level. I can't imagine it would get easier at the NFL level. And in his, yeah. in his entire career, he only has four carries over 40 yards. That's in 440 carries. He only has four over 40. Um, that's kind of uh, – he lacks the top-end speed, it looks like to me. And the last thing was is to finish out his career at Georgia, he had zero touchdowns over the last seven games of his career, and only two of them went for over 100. So, I mean, he I don't know if he was already set on going to the NFL and didn't want it as bad. It doesn't look like he played much in the two bowl games, one and two carries apiece. But I don't know. Uh, I watched his highlights. I watched his, some of his games. And, I mean, he's a good running back. Don't get me wrong, but – I mean, Jake Fromm is a senior. Are you respecting the pass game more at that point or the run game? I think he's kind of hard to evaluate. Um, I think he'll be the third or fourth running back off the board, in my opinion, but not a first-rounder and maybe not even a second-rounder, I don't think. Well, you know, we touched on this a minute ago. The 2017 running back room at Georgia was Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, and DeAndre Swift. Absolutely loaded. He struggled to get on the field. But was actually he he still he was still rushing. I mean, he still rushed for like six hundred yards with those guys. Yeah, eighty-one carries. And yeah, he has four-four speed, so he can be a burner. But he's almost always split carries. Even after Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle left, he split carries with Elijah Holyfield. They each had a thousand yards. Yeah. Twenty nineteen, he was asked to be the featured back, and you only topped twelve hundred yards. Mm-hmm. The, and, the most impressive stat I have on him is he, so you just told me that he only has how many yards? How many carries over forty yards? Four. Four, but he averaged. This is nuts. He averaged six point six yards a carry. In his career. Yeah, I guess it all depends on if you want the home run or chunk yards. Yeah, and um, like like, mm, sorry. No, you're good. What? Uh, like you said though, with uh, being the featured back. And establishing a rhythm, he only had three games where he was allowed over 20 carries. So, I mean, it's hard to really get the, the big games when you're only carrying, you know, 10 to 15 times a game. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's go to somebody that did carry it a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, a ton. Like, like more than anyone. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Played three years, 2017, 2018, 2019. Every season, every season, get over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Yikes. What do you got on Jonathan Taylor? Um, First of all, just to allude to, I know some people know Wisconsin, maybe watch the Big Ten, and Jeff did mention a lot of carries. There was only one season he didn't have at least 300 carries. And that season was 2017, where he had 299. So <laughs> he's got over 900 carries for his career. But in his career, he averaged 6.7 yards a rush and 150 yards a game. Some of these Incredible. are just, they just don't even make sense. 100-yard games, he had 32 100-yard games and 12. 200-yard games. The dude had a, t- a touchdown every 18 carries for his career, 55 rushing touchdowns. I mean, and you think, like, he would be just some big workhorse. I mean, he's 5'10", 220, solid, but best 40 time at 4'39". His uh, 
his 40 time and his 20 yard shuttle time are the same as Saquon Barkley's. Now I'm not trying to say that he's Saquon Barkley. I don't think he is, but it's just like, he's been so good for so long that you just don't even recognize how great he is. Like, it's just like his only negative is possible durability because how many carries he's had at the college level. It's, Absolutely incredible. Like the further you look, the more impressed you are by Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And I think your question that you had posed when we were talking about Swift, you said, how, how is anybody not talking about Taylor? I just think there's a lot of miles on that body. And here's the, he's so young, but no running back, at least to my knowledge has done what he has in three years. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. It is literally unfathomable. And, you know, the, the, the sad part is we became you, – you had said something a second ago. It just became natural. Like they just did. You know, we got to know who he was and just understood that this is what to come to expect. He finished fifth in the Heisman last year because, really, he just becomes an afterthought. Yeah. There's Jonathan Taylor going for 2,000 yards again and 20 touchdowns. It's an afterthought. He's going to make an NFL team very happy. He can catch the ball. He did it a bunch. Uh, he's he's very good. That's all we can say, right? Uh, yeah. Just if you have some spare time, look at the numbers. Your jaw hits the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> just looking at the numbers when I'm doing my research, I'm just like, this dude is so good. <laughs> yeah. This There's a little three-game stretch in, in, uh, against Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue. He had 250, 204, 222. Three weeks in a row, back to back to back, no bye week. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, somebody that had pretty much an equal, almost dead set equal 2019 season. And a lot of people have him going pretty high as well. Let's go J.K. Dobbins. Mm -hmm. 2017 to 2019 with his career at Ohio State, 5'9". I don't have a 40 time, but this is what I want to tell you. If you take anything away from what I'm going to say today, go watch the first half of the Clemson. Clemson has NFL players all over the field. And so does Ohio State. But Clemson has NFL players. Okay? J.K. Dobbins was the best player in the first half of that playoff game. He ends up getting hurt. He's a shell of himself. Personally, I believe that's why they lost that game. We're not going to get into all that. If you want to see J.K. Dobbins' speed, go watch the first half. What do you What do you got on J.K.? All right. First of all, what I wanted to say is, if you're a week to week listener and you listened to the last time I was on the podcast, I just wanted to upset Ohio State fans. There's no way J.K. Dobbins is going to be a bust. He's going to be an absolute beast at the NFL level. Um, some things that I have. Uh, first of all, security. He had 725 carries, five fumbles. He had a fumble every 145 carries. That's insane. But what I wanted to talk to you, like you said, Clemson, when it comes to big games, there was six times that Ohio State played a defense that was ranked in the top 13. Five of them were in the top 10 in the country. In those games, he averaged 174 yards a game, six and a half yards a carry with 11 touchdowns. That's just incredible. When they had a, when they had a big game, they could always rely on number two. It was just 
He's a big-time player. He played in all 42 of his college games, and he started 40 of them. Um, when you combine his passing and uh, rushing touchdowns, he had 43 total over his years. And like you said, in 2019, he uh, he tied J- Jonathan Taylor in rushing yards with 19 less rushes. So, I mean, that that's pretty impressive, too, with 21 touchdowns. I mean, he's the first running back in Ohio State history with 2,000 yards. Got it by yeah. I was, gonna, I was I was gonna I was gonna chime in there. So he's he's number one all time for yeah. a single season Ohio State. And the crazy thing is, so in his career, so he's played three seasons. He's second all time, only behind Archie Griffin, the two time Heisman winner. Mm-hmm. He only needed eleven hundred to pass him. Well, he would have easily done. Yeah, he would have easily done. The the one thing that I wanted to bring up, and maybe you, maybe you got a comment on this, maybe you don't. So 2018 with Ohio State, they were a passing team. They had Dwayne Haskins. He threw for 5,000 yards. Here's a knock on J.K. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's something that Ohio State wasn't doing right. He only had 23 catches for 270 receiving yards. He wasn't involved in the passing attempt at all. At all. I, I just, I guess, I would have assumed that he would have had. Or, between the four to six hundred range, maybe maybe they just feel so good about him as a pass blocker because he's pretty good at that. Yeah, I just I was a little underwhelmed when I seen that. I was like, you throw for five thousand yards and you have two hundred seventy receiving yards, like that's it. Yeah, is that? I mean, I was I was a little shocked. I mean, not not too much though, because I mean, if when you really do watch some of his like. Uh, some of the games, because I mean, around this area, of course, we all watch some Ohio State games. But, yeah, of course. But both years, Ohio State has had a track meet at wide receivers, and I mean, it just seems like the smart thing to do to make JK block because you can't you can't guard those guys for four seconds. And I think yeah. I think one of the huge things that really elevate his draft stock is the fact that. He he really does block. He's a he's a big body for he's I mean he's short, but he's stocky, he's strong. And I mean he does really well with picking up linebackers and edge blockers and I mean and he can catch. I think he can do all three things very well. Um Jonathan Taylor and JK, in my opinion, it would be crazy if they weren't the first two running backs off the board. It's just a lot of teams have bigger needs than running backs. So unfortunately I think they're gonna slide down the board. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. We're not going to get too much in a mocks, but I agree with you. Let's uh, let's move on. Clyde Edwards Hilari. Hilaire. Hilaire. LSU, 5'7", 207 pounds, reigning national champion. What do you got? Um, he uh, first of all, it's tough to evaluate some of these LSU guys. Because the numbers is just like a balloon. Like, I didn't watch every LSU game, but they're just crushing teams by like fifty points every game, and everyone it wasn't everyone's stats are off the board. So I mean, it's kind of difficult to just look at numbers and just say this is you know this is who he is because it might not be. I mean, LSU had NFL players all over that offense. Um, what I can say is in his, uh, the last year he played 2019, um, as a junior, 
36% of his touches were either first downs or touchdowns. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, that's stupid. Also, if, if you're looking for a guy on special teams, he had 10 career kick returns for 214 yards. I mean, 21 yards per return. That's, that's a pretty good clip. Um, and it's amazing. He only, uh, he coughed up the ball once every 185 touches. I think that's insane. Uh, he runs a four, six, which is a little slow at the NFL level. And he's also a little short. Um, he did have 55 catches though, to go along with 215 carries and his, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. So obviously I just, I was just kind of giving JK the business saying that he can't, you know, he wasn't involved in a passing offense. Well, this guy was man. He had 55 catches. They obviously felt that they, they that's definitely, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think that builds his draft stock a little bit. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say, there's not a whole lot of game tape on him. Less than 440 touches. Yeah, he only played 28 games. Yeah, very little miles. You have a lot left with this guy. We'll see where it goes. We'll keep it moving. Cam Akers, 5'10", 4'7", speed, Florida State. He skipped the Sun Bowl to prepare for the draft. He did. Uh, he did play three years. What do you got? Um, solid running back. I think he's. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good at the NFL level. Um, both uh, his uh, last two years, he had pretty good catch marks, twenty three and thirty. But he had a six touchdowns. He gets in the end zone. Seems to have a nose for it. Twenty nineteen, he had fourteen touchdowns. Um, actually, his junior year, it's pretty crazy. He only had one game that he didn't score a touchdown, and that was against Clemson, which you already alluded. They got NFL guys all over the place. Yeah. Um, 34 total touchdowns in his career. He gets in the end zone. I mean, you really can't ask for much more. Florida State, they were big for a couple of years there, and then they kind of fallen off. Florida State's kind of slowly disappeared. They're not really what they once were five, ten years ago. But Cam Akers, he's going to – He's, he's going to find a home, and he's going to be pretty good in the NFL, I think. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely flying under the radar. I don't think that too many people – he's going to get drafted somewhere, and everybody's going to be like, oh, okay, who's this guy? I think we're going to be talking about him in three years of fantasy football. Yeah. So, who's your sleeper pick? Um, I like A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Um, I know we don't get into comps, but – I was looking around, and I thought this guy looked like James Conner a little bit. And then I saw that a guy who does the combine comped him to James Conner. And, I mean, six feet, 250 pounds, so he's a little bit bigger, but he still ran a 4.5. I mean, fights for extra yards all the time, move the pile kind of guy. I think he would be a great pickup for teams that maybe need that second punch. Um, maybe like the Titans, they just got rid of Deion Lewis, things like that. A guy who can come in, have carries on maybe third down and shorts, things like that. Um, he had 2,100 yard games and he had three 200 yard games. So, I mean, even with this big frame, he moves. And what I saw all three years, 14 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns, he gets in the end zone and that's what you really want in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's something that's going to fly under the radar as well. I got one more for you here. 
Anthony McFarland, 5'8", 4'4", speed, redshirt sophomore. He only played in 23 career games at Maryland. Unfortunately, he was injured a lot. So that, there's a negative there. His 2018 stats are better than his 2019 stats because of a high ankle sprain. But here's what you're getting. At his very best, he went for 21 carries for 298 and two touchdowns against Ohio State in 2018. Absolutely incredible. He had several long runs in the game and almost took them to the W. He has less than 270 touches in his career. He has 13 touchdowns. There's so little tape on him, but this was a highly recruited running back. He's he's really a game changer. I think that he's going to slide because of injuries. It would not shock me if somebody picked him up and in a couple of years he's turned it around through rehab and through being a second string back and he's the feature two to three years at maybe, you know, a team that's that's very run heavy because Andy McFarland can really let's uh let's move to offensive linemen. I stayed away from the offensive linemen. I let you do some deep dives. Who do you got number one? All right, I'll just give you a little quick. Um, I think it's the uh, tackle from Alabama, Jedrick Wills. Um, all these guys are obviously big dudes, 6'4", 312. But if any of you tuned into the combine, some of these guys are crazy. He ran a five flat at the combine at that size, which is nasty. Um, five star at a high school. Um, he had 29 starts at Alabama and 28 straight to end his career there. So pretty good durability and um, little fun stat uh, pro football focus college. If you guys know about that um, in 2019 on 771 snaps, he only missed seven assignments. He's got a 99% success rate. Absolutely just mauls defenders off the edge. It's, it's, it's insane to watch when you watch some of those two highlights Look at the right tackle spot. I mean, he's just eating dudes. Dude, Alabama, the way they draft linemen, they bring people in, they run the football. They haven't mastered. <laughs> that's, it's crazy. That's all I can say. I mean, the amount of linemen they're putting into the draft, the running backs they're putting into the draft. I mean, for the first time, we're talking about a quarterback. But traditionally, they're a run-heavy team. They put in linemen. They put in running backs. They put in defenders. This guy will be no different. Who else you got? Um, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, athletic freak at 6'5", 320. He ran a 4'8", at the Combine. Pretty sure everyone heard about that. Um, Big Ten, teams like Wisconsin, um, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, some of these powerhouse teams run the football. I know some of you laugh when I consider Michigan. <laughs> um, but there's uh, he's Big Ten O-lineman of the year. That says a lot for him. And uh, he played at both right tackle and left tackle. So versatility is going to be good for him. And a lot of uh, stuff I read says he could probably even play guard at the NFL level. So he's a multi-purpose athlete who's just a big guy, good footwork. And he's just, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a top 10 pick. Utility linemen are always great. You can play multiple positions. You're going to get drafted to story. Uh, Iowa, like you said, always a run heavy school. Very rarely are run-heavy linemen busts. I think it'll work out uh, exciting. Who else you got? Um, we'll give you one more tackle just because he's a mammoth of a man, Mackie Becton. 
uh, from Louisville, six foot seven, three sixty five, with a seven foot wingspan, seven feet. Um, he's a guy who he needs some work on pass protection, but if you're a run heavy team, um, man, he can just lay into people. He moves piles. It's incredible. He's you watch some of his tape, and I mean, after the snap, he just leans forward, and it just seems like the whole D line goes backwards. It's crazy. Um, 22 games at left tackle and 12 games at right tackle. So, again, that versatility is going to make his draft stock go up. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, big, giant linemen like that, man, those are the ones that always go first. 6'6", 6'7", 6", just ginormous. Who else you got? Um, I'll just move interior for these last two. Um, I've got two centers. Um, I'll just flow right through him. Um, from Michigan, Cesar Ruiz. Um, he's he's listed as the best center in the draft. Um, he's also got five starts at right guard, but I think every team needs that center that can lead. Um, maybe that's a homer call being from Pittsburgh, Marquise Pouncey, or you got Travis Frederick who played for the Cowboys. You need a good center, um, helps lead the team. Um, Pro Football Focus College, again, he had 447 snaps in pass protection last year and only allowed eight pressures all season, zero in the last five games. Absolute stud. He has 26 straight starts at center, doesn't leave the field. Uh, Just a lock pick at center, but not too far behind. We're going back to LSU. He's just an NFL pumping machine. Uh, Who doesn't like the name Lloyd Cushenberry? Um, ab- absolute beast for LSU played 39 games total and he started his last 28. So again, we've got a lot of durable linemen coming out of the draft. Um, he led the team in snaps last year with 1037. Um, and just a little fun fact, he was given the number 18, which I found out is a prestigious number given to, uh, players at LSU. It's not always worn. Um, they gifted it to him, and many players in the locker room said he was actually the MVP of the team as a leader and a player. So um, you've got some pretty good options at O-line, and uh, I actually think it will be the most drafted position in the first round of the draft. Yeah, offensive line, line receivers, going to make up most of this first round. We'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But uh, we got a nice lineman draft for sure, at least – the, the, I know a lot of people are talking about it. They're excited for the linemen that are coming in this draft, and uh, they're going to get some work in. Let's move to tight ends. You kind of stayed away from those, and I picked up on the tight ends. We're going to start with Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. What's Notre Dame known for? Putting out tight ends. 6'6", six, 4'7", six, speed, dual-sport athlete. Actually got recruited for both football and baseball. His best game came in 2019 against Georgia, a number three versus number seven game where he goes for nine catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. There's not a whole lot of game tape on him. He only played 23 games in three years. Very big, very versatile, can block. I think he's the number one tight end off the board. But to be honest, the tight end draft is, is pretty is pretty small this year. We're going to go into Harrison Bryant, 6'5", 4'7", speed. Very small school. He went to Fort Atlantic. Solid three-year work, 148 catches, 2,100 yards, 16 touchdowns. His, his best season came in 2019. You know, he's got a big frame. He'll probably be a solid tight end. But unfortunately, small school guys, I don't know how much to say about him. He played really great against Ohio State in week one. That was the only good school they really played all year. 
say it for what it is. I think he's probably the second tight end off the board, but again, I'm always lenient with small school guys. I never know what to expect. Hunter Bryant out of Washington. 6'2", 4'7". He's one of the smaller tight ends we're going to talk about. But he averaged 16.4 yards a catch. That's wide receiver stuff right there. His last career, his last four career games, 90 yards per game. So very good, uh, especially late in the year. Unfortunately, he had, a, he had an injury filled 2018. There's not a whole lot there. Hunter Bryant is probably going to fall. But I could, you know, I'm going to bring up a comp here. Aaron Hernandez, you know, he wasn't 6'6", 6'5". He was shorter, kind of almost wide receiver-esque, had pretty good speed, and could separate. And obviously Hunter Bryant can't, so. Um, I kind of differed after the top three. I went into a couple more that I thought people might want to hear. Thaddeus Moss out of LSU. So he's 6'2", 250 pounds, son of Randy Moss, obviously. He was actually recruited and played for NC State in 2016. 2017, he actually transferred to LSU and sat out. 2018, he had a foot injury, didn't get to play. 2019, he finally gets to play, turns into a national champion. He has one touchdown all year. That's all he musters up until the playoffs. In his two playoff games, nine catches, 135, three touchdowns. Played very big on big stages. He struggles to separate. That's the thing. He's 6'2", 250 pounds, so he's kind of bigger, bigger and stockier. Uh, I don't have a 40 time, unfortunately. I just, here's what you're getting with Thaddeus Moss. Obviously, championship caliber player playing for LSU, son of Randy Moss. There's good genes there. Outside of that, we don't really know what we're getting. It'll be interesting what he translates in the NFL. And then uh, I I went here for a homer. Sean McLennan, 6'5", 240 out of Michigan. The stats are super underwhelming, but he can block in space. He's great downfield, wide catch radius. Always seemed to come up clutch, watching him in games. He was never the number one tight end. He, a lot of times he was shifting in at two or three, but it seemed like with those guys on the field, he always made the catches. Sean's a pretty good kid. I think uh, a deep, deep pick, probably fifth or sixth round, your team picks him up, be pretty happy about it. Anything to add on tight ends? No, um, no. Tight ends are kind of a boring class if it wasn't for Thaddeus yeah, Moss. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Let's uh, let's gonna go into wide receivers here, okay? And we got a lot of good ones here. A lot of names, a lot of big name schools. Who do you have as number one wide receiver? Um, I believe everyone knows it's a toss-up yeah. between Judy and Lamb. I I like C.D. Lamb as number one. I think Jerry Judy will be better in the first two years, but after it gets rolling, I think C.D. Lamb will end up being the best wide receiver from this draft class. You know, it's it's such a deep class. I, 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 there's so much to talk about, really. Um, it's hard to disagree. I like C.D. Lamb a lot. But CeeDee Lamb got to play with Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. And did he see Baker? I think he did. 
Yeah, he, I think he played. Yeah. I think he played with all three. Yeah, Baker, then Kyler, so then Jim. He's never seen a bad quarterback in his life. If he goes early in the draft, there's a chance he's going to. We'll see where it turns out. But I like CeeDee Lamb as well. Uh, anything crazy on him you want to talk about? No, um, I know a lot of people. You're not the first person who's kind of come up and said that you know he's played with three great college quarterbacks, and I believe that's true. But then again, every single year he's had to readjust that's to fair. a different quarterback. And he, and I mean, to be fair, there's not really a number two at Oklahoma. I mean, it stopped C.D. Lamb, and nobody can. I mean, he's just an absolute monstrosity. And you look at the other guys, if you want to compare them in the draft, Judy, uh, Riggs, or Ruggs, sorry, or like Justin Jeff. I mean, they're all playing with yeah. top-end quarterbacks. I mean, they all have them. That's part of the reason why they're there is because fortunate for them at the college level, they're playing with NFL yeah. quarterbacks. Four, five speed, six, two, 198. Perfect receiver body, correct? I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's not too much you can put him down for. Uh, just really, I mean, he's, he's a career average of like, what, 16 yards a catch? That sounds stupid. I mean, the, the big play. Yeah. His career, his, his career yeah. average just, is 19 yards per catch. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like he has one crazy year. His years are 17 and a half, 17.8, 21.4. So it's like, it's not like he had one year where he just had 30, you know, yards of catch. He's been consistent the whole time. Yeah. I, uh, here's the thing. I don't know that he's going to be the number one receiver off the board, but whoever gets CD lamb, they're getting a good player. Let's talk about Jerry Judy. Cause I would assume that's probably who we're going to go to next. Six, one, 193, yeah. Alabama, 4-4 speed. I mean, literally, if you put in, him and uh, him and Lamb next to each other, they're borderline twins. What do you got on uh, Jerry Judy? I, I ask anyone who's listening to do this, if you watch Jerry Judy highlights, I promise you'll laugh. He His route running, he turns people around he could, he like made sounds come out of me while I'm watching his highlight film. Like, I mean, the way he uses his head and shoulders, it's almost like he's trying to juke him like he already has the ball. I mean, there's so many – his highlights are just him four yards wide open. That's why I believe he'll be better earlier because he's he's one of the most polished route runners I've ever seen, period. When you – like I said, when you watch his film, it's just – it's comical to watch how he just – he's toying with people out there. It's it's so funny. Yeah, the the one thing that I will bring up. Do you remember how the Michigan Alabama bowl game started for Alabama? Uh, I had so to work that day, unfortunately. Michigan starts to drive down the field, and I believe they turned it over. Alabama's very first play, they're like, you know what? Let's just throw it deep to Judy. And it goes for a long touchdown. It's just – Jerry Judy is an absolute stud. I personally think he's the best receiver in the draft. And I all I have for it is game tape. That's it. Just game tape. And in the biggest moments, 
the biggest games. He always comes up big. Had a huge game against LSU, big game against Michigan. I mean, dude, dude's a stud. He did play opposite yeah. of another very good receiver we'll talk about here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I like Jerry Judy. Let's talk about your number three. Who do you got number three? Number three, um, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. I know a lot of people have Henry Ruggs, but um, I think Justin Jefferson is the third best. I don't know if that means he'll be the third off the board, but I do think he's the third best wide receiver coming out of the draft. Yeah, so Justin Jefferson has, like, video game numbers in 2019. Just absolute stupidity. Um, like you were saying earlier, you really can't even – you really can't break down LSU's numbers. You just, it's just not – it's not fair. <laughs> everybody, everybody had stellar years. Yeah. His improvement from 2018 to 2019 is just staggeringly dumb. You could actually double the numbers. Yeah. Literally double the numbers. All of them. It's absolutely incredible. Uh I like Justin Jefferson a lot, 6'3", 192. He's a big receiver. You, you know, I, I don't know that uh, you can really give comps for for Jefferson, but you're getting a good receiver. You're getting a good receiver. That's what else do you want, right? Yeah, um, I think um, something that makes him unique, though, is when you're talking about that jump from 2018 to 2019, he almost changed positions entirely. And what I mean by that is in 2019, 81% of his snaps were from the slot. Yeah. So it's, that's, it's, he's a unique in the sense that it doesn't seem to be that he's dominant on the outside. But if you're a team that, that maybe is already, you know, you have a couple wide receivers that are primarily big targets, you know, Justin Jefferson would fit in for you, but, Again, when you talked about um, Judy having a good teammate, just real quick, Jamar Chase, 1,780 yards Chase and 20 really touchdowns. Too. It's, I mean, yeah. who, who do you guard? Yeah, Chase was incredible this year. The, the thing is, is Jefferson's acceleration is just stupid. And when he's out of the, when he's out of the slot, yeah, the chances are his – He's gonna. He's just gonna beat you. He's gonna beat you because you're gonna put a, a dime corner, a nickel corner on him. You, you just, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Yeah. To talk about, um, you know how open he is all the time. He had 13 games with five or more catches last yeah. season. Just last season. Yeah. I... 13 or 15. Again, we could talk all day about LSU stats. They were incredible. Who do you got number four? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just go Henry Ruggs. Um, I, I personally don't think Henry Ruggs is that polished of a wide receiver. I hear a lot of people talk that, about that, Tyree yeah. Hill. That's my um, comp if I'm going to do it. We're not going to talk many comps, but that's – Yeah. The thing about it is I think Tyreek Hill is actually a really good wide receiver, though. He's not just a speed guy. But, I mean, in that sense, Henry Ruggs, 
is a guy you just don't catch. He's one of those guys. Everyone knows he ran a four two seven at the at the combine. He has a forty two inch vertical, which is pretty impressive for uh, being five eleven. Kind of make up for some of that. Um, he burst onto the scene his first five games of his uh, freshman year. Each of the five games, he only had one catch. They all went for touchdowns. So his first five catches in five games, he had a touchdown. Um, but he's a big, uh, you know, the one shot, the one mistake. In 29 of his 35 games, he had less than five catches. And when you needed him big in bowl games, he had six bowl games or championship games in his career. In those six games, he had 14 catches for 147 yards and only two touchdowns across six games. Um, but in his last year, um, 27 of his 40 catches were first downs or touchdowns. So he's kind of that guy. If, if you really want to take him out of the game plan, you can put a safety over the top and cancel him out. But that one time you slip or the one time you misread it, he's gone. And, you know, with the NFL being a passing league, yeah. he's going to be a threat. He definitely was better when Tua was playing. That was for sure. His stats, especially the touchdowns, dropped off in the second half of 2019, and it showed without two being there. I, mm-hmm. He's an absolute burner. He's an absolute burner. You can, you can run a reverse Quick. with him. You can do a lot of things. You can probably even put him back as a kick returner or run him out of the backfield. There's a lot of things you can do with Henry Ruggs. I think he's a very good player. I'm very excited about the wide receiver class in general. But uh, Henry Ruggs, again, Tyree Kill comes up a lot just because of the speed. And anytime you have a speedster nowadays, it's going to be compared to Tyree Kill. Yeah, and just speed alone, you can kind of take that second guy off your number one target. So yeah. it's always Who do you have useful. as your number five? Um, I, th- I think it's going to be LaVisca Chenault. If you need a name for the draft there, LaVisca Chenault Jr. Um, I think every guy up to this point, I think you would agree, Alabama, ridiculous offense, LSU statistics through the roof, L- um, you know, Clemson, incredible, Oklahoma. But LaVisca Chenault went to Colorado, and the game plan for defenses was <laughs> to just stop that guy. And he still put up really good numbers. I know his stats don't measure up to those other guys, but it's kind of a reality check on a guy who went to a school and he is the guy and has, I mean, you can't name the quarterback or you can name one player from Colorado. You might not even have been able to name yeah. this guy Chenault before I told you, but um, 6'2", 227, um, catches everything he can touch. He's really good in the air with his body. Um, 16 of his 20 games, he had five or more catches. Um, he was in the running for the Bolitnikoff Award. Um, he ran the Wildcat quite a bit. Um, he had uh, 30. He had 40 rushes and seven touchdowns in two years at Colorado. Um, he's his stats aren't going to jump off the screen, and because of the first four guys we mentioned, he's going to slide. But that's that's what's really scary is a playoff team is going to get LaVisca Chenault Jr. And more often than not, playoff teams already have a number one. And if he's your number two, that's that's a problem for defense. Yeah. The one right thing, 6'2", 220, that's, that's pretty big. 
the, the NFL wide receiver, the average NFL yeah. wide receiver is 5'10". So that's a pretty big receiver. You know, he took 23 carries for 261 and two touchdowns this past year. I mean, they were not afraid to use him in other ways. Yeah, yeah I mean, reverses, they did a lot. Some of his receptions are because he ran little reverses, you know, that the quarterback yeah. tosses like a yard and a half forward. Uh, they, they used him in the Wildcat. And what I liked most, you watch some of his highlights, a lot of these guys catch the ball and they try and dance and do these jukes. I think that can lead to fumbles, you know, your arms moving all over. This guy turns and just wants to run through people. DBs are going to have a problem after the catch tackling uh, this guy. I mean, he's a guy who can take an eight-yard out and he's going to get that extra couple yards for the first down or the end zone, however you want to use him. He's just – He's so fun to watch, and he's a feel-good story. I'm not going to get into it, but if you look up LaVisca Chenault, his background story with him and his family and how he is as a person at Colorado, very uplifting spirit. He's just an easy guy to root for, and you want to see him do well. Who do you have as your sleeper? Um, I guess he's a sleeper now. There's so many good wide receivers, but T. Higgins continues to fall on boards, and I don't know if it's because he – I honestly don't know why. I mean, you got a guy here who's 6'4". That automatically makes you a red zone threat. Still ran a 4-5. I'm not sure if you heard of these guys from Clemson, but DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins, he did something neither of them did with back-to-back double-digit touchdown seasons. He had 12 and followed it up with 13. His career touchdown-to-catch ratio is a touchdown every five catches. Um, he tied the school record with 27 touchdowns in a career, and he did it with 70 fewer catches than anyone else. I mean, you can say – I can hear it all the time. Oh, Clemson doesn't play anybody, this or that. But, you know, he's doing stuff that great receivers in the NFL at Clemson were never able to do at that school. And I just don't understand why he continues to fall down the boards because T. Higgins, he's going to be a beast. He's going to be an absolute my, monster in the NFL, issue. I believe. He was fantastic through 13 games. He goes up against Ohio State, and I know he gets hurt, but he gets locked down. Four catches, 33 yards. Then he goes up against LSU, and if he doesn't make a 36-yard rushing touchdown, bad game again. I don't know. He had a fantastic season. He had multiple touchdown games, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, 150-yard games, 180-yard games. He was great. They don't play many teams, and when they played their best two teams, he disappeared. So that, that's my only issue there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my sleeper, I picked two. I couldn't decide between the two. I don't have a whole lot on them, but number one, out of Penn State, KJ Hamler, 5'9, 178. I don't have a 40 time, but dear Lord, his speed. Blazing speed. Look up his stats. All his big games came against the best opponents. He showed up in every game against the biggest opponents. And in his two years, he goes for 115 catches. 1,745 yards and 14 touchdowns. And to be honest, Penn State isn't really known for being a throwing team. 
So, KJ Hammer's got speed. He's very good. Moving on to the second guy, Michael Pittman Jr., son of Michael Pittman, the running back who played in the NFL from Fresno State. Michael Pittman Jr. is 6'4", 4'5", speed from USC. He's following the footsteps of a lot of USC receivers. He had an incredible senior year after being a four-year player. Got better every single year. That's all you can ask, right? We talked about that earlier. It's all you can ask. Get better every year. His senior year, 101 catches, which was amongst the most in the whole league. 1,275 yards and 11 touchdowns. I think Michael Pittman's going to be very good. He's going to slide into the second or third round. And you hear a lot of these teams say, we can get quality receivers in those rounds. Michael Pittman Jr. is one of them. So, well, man, we've been going a long time. We've broken down every offensive top-tier pick that we can possibly do. Next week is defense. Week after that's the mock draft. What do you think? Yeah. Um, hope you guys all could uh, learn something you maybe didn't. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed me being on the show again. I like talking to all these guys. I'm a big fan of beginnings, all these guys finding their teams. And, uh, yeah, it was a fun time. And uh, just a little breaking news from the NFL here. Uh, Houston traded a second-round pick to the Rams for just Brandon now? Cooks. So uh, that just happened. Well, it happened towards the beginning of our broadcast here, but figured I didn't want to just put that in the middle of the episode. But wow. Cooks is on his way to the so Texans. They so they get rid of – That happened. They give up a second-rounder. Second-rounder. Does Houston have any draft picks? My Lord. I, I think they got a – did they get a second with uh, David Johnson? Uh, I think they gave up uh, DeAndre in a seventh for David Johnson in a second. So, basically, they gave up DeAndre and a seventh rounder to get Brandon Cooks and David Johnson. I mean, who knows? Maybe it won't look so bad in the end. But, God, I'm it not trying to like justify DeAndre Hopkins in my right now. <laughs> no, I don't oh, want man. to. I don't it's been a pleasure as, as always. Uh, look forward to having you next week too, man. Thanks again. Take, take care, man. Yep. Thanks.